Welcome to The Experience Makers, a brand new podcast series from Cognify, WPP Marketing Technology Consultancy. I'm Jo Milne, I'm a journalist, and once a month I'm going to be reimagining customer experience with Cognify and their guests from across the marketing technology industry. We're going to delve into everything from what today's consumer really wants, right through to technology that feeds the experience economy and digital transformation. Whatever stage of the digital journey you're on, if you're in business today, this one is for you. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on voice and audio and the role that it plays in marketing. We're going to be joined in the studio by Sam Miller, Data and Insights Lead at Cognified, and Steve Dunlop, founder and CEO of A Million Ads. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Why don't we start by talking a little bit about, I don't want to say definition of voice, because it's kind of obvious what voice is, but when we're talking about voice and marketing, What exactly are we speaking about? Are we just talking about asking Alexa to buy us a book on online or what specifically is it? Maybe we'll we'll start with you, Steve. Uh, Voice, I think, defines a a communication mechanism. How do humans interact with uh, machines? Uh, We've grown up from using mice and keyboards and then touchscreens and little thumbs on uh, on screens to now actually just being able to communicate in what I believe the most kind of human way is, which is just to converse like you would with another human. Uh, And at the other end of that conversation now, the devices, you mentioned Alexa, but other other, uh, smart speakers and um, uh, and voice services are now good enough to mean that actually that conversation can feel very natural. Uh, and so we can start to ask for stuff and get a response that is what you'd expect if you were asking from a, um, from a human. The robots are getting smart. What about you, Sam, from your perspective? How do you think about voice in your sort yeah. of day? I think it's another interface. In If we're thinking about it in a marketing context, it's another way of defining intents into a system. Um but Steve covered it really well. I think it's like predominantly like AI assistants, the smart speakers, more and more like IoT. So I think that's going to be a trend we see in the future around being able to speak to some of those things. But that's predominantly the way we think about it right now. And and what would you see, you know, sort of high level or the sort of best current applications of voice? Because I must admit, um, I, I don't have any smart speakers in my house. I'm not a massive fan, but it's because of all the years with the Scottish accent. Um, <laughs> things don't tend to listen to me. Um, so I'm, I'm probably a little bit alien to it as to most people. What would you say are the sort of strongest real applications that people are genuinely using day to day? Entertainment, top of the list. Okay. Alexa, play Coldplay, and off sure. we go. And it starts playing, and you can sit back and relax and get on with what you're doing. It's kind of, it's it's providing a lot of the function that old school radio used to provide, which was we used to call it one button entertain me. Literally, turn it on, music starts playing. Whereas with a voice service, you can say Alexa, play Capital FM, or Alexa, play Coldplay, and it immediately starts entertaining me. And, and as we see in all the data. Uh, whilst the proliferation of these devices is um, is is huge, most people are actually just using it to substitute what they were doing, putting a CD into the machine or pressing mm. on on their radio. Do you think that the sort of behaviour change is probably, I would say, required in order to be doing more kind of complex things? A voice is still a way to go, or yeah, I think there's quite a long way to go. I think for like simple instructions, like we were talking about music, like loads of people use smart speakers for music or radio and it reduces that friction. You know, there's no, you don't have to turn a knob, you don't have to like go to a website. It's quite a a short journey. But there's also that thing there around invocation word. So if you don't have the right word to call something, then you can be quite frustrated because it's like, oh, I don't get what you mean. Mm. So actually for, for other areas of utility, it's not great. And the best use is, I think, we were partnering with a technology company that were looking to do like real-time storytelling through voice. 
and the way that you answered it, they had a certain number of responses. So if you were getting angry per se, they were trying to give you a different response than if you were happy. And I think that's Mm. a really interesting use of voice because it's picking up some contextual elements. It's not just the pure semantic intent of voice. So we mentioned Alexa earlier on. Who are the sort of key tech players when it comes to voice? Obviously, we've got devices, but then people who are actually playing in the spaces, applications. Who, who are all people playing? I think there's like uh, an academic piece. So if you think about AI and machine learning, a lot of these voice applications are on the edge of that. So like speech to language As you mentioned, with accents, that was harder in the past, but they're getting pretty accurate now. I think going the other way as well, from, like, say, text to speech, like the speech synthesis piece is getting much better. But still, there's some things that, both ingoing and outgoing, like sarcasm, if you're sarcastic, Alexa doesn't get it. Mm. You know, and that's, like, a long way to go. And also the way that Alexa or Google Home or any of those voice assistants speak, there's, like rising intonation or they're not humorous or funny or annoyed and I think in brand voice going forward you're going to want to see some of those things those who that first will be really interesting and it, and it definitely is it's sprung out of academia hasn't it these these kind of research papers and so on that have then been um, taken on by the big tech companies and you know it, it, fortunately unfortunately you could debate it's really owned by Google and Amazon at the moment Apple obviously have a play Microsoft have a play Samsung have a play in in uh, uh, in both, and all of those companies are, have hardware plus software plus consumer services. And actually, whilst it was an academic, let's say, algorithm that started the uh, the, the ability to do natural language processing and speech synthesis and so on, it's actually the consumer scale of something like Amazon that's been able to teach that machine learning, give it a training set of hundreds of millions of people talking to it to then mean it gets better and better and better. So actually, there. Technology is considerably better than just the algorithm on its own. It's now a taught algorithm or learnt algorithm. Yeah. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. Um, and it's been taught by us. It's been taught by us interacting with those devices every time we talk to them. It goes and teaches that algorithm to get better and better at understanding and then better and better at talking back to us. So before we go into a bit more um, sort of details, I, I, I do want to get into some of the ethics and some of the, the kind of uh, impacts around voice as well. Before we do that, let's talk a bit about some of the concrete examples that's happening in marketing today. Because I think there is still a level of um, persuasion needed to um, sort of prove that voice is something worth investing in or at least worth looking at and thinking about strategy. So what are some of the examples from a marketing context that you guys have seen that you've thought were really impactful or powerful or unique? We come at this from a slightly different angle, which is we, we start with audio advertising to then potentially lead people into a voice interaction um, uh, uh, mode. Because actually all of these examples, there's, there's, there's some great case studies out there but they actually don't have much reach at the moment mm. people aren't going you know alexa let's play the bmw game or mm. whatever it might be um so uh, uh there's not much reach to those services so you'll need a return of investment a return on investment of, of developing a, a skill or whatever it is is quite is quite tough to prove so we started it from the other end which is given that i'm using alexa to listen to pandora or to spotify and those services are uh, in some instances are ad funded let's use the mass reach of those entertainment services uh, to do audio advertising that can lead people into voice experiences so um, if we know you are listening to pandora for example which is a music streaming service in the us not available here unfortunately um, 
if you are listening to Pandora Station, an ad plays, and if it knows you're listening on a smart speaker, we can change the copy, literally the script of the mm. audio ad to say, say, Alexa, ask ask for the BMW skill, or you know, use that that invocation word to then go into a voice experience. Mm. So it's using that mass reach to actually then start to drive people into these kind of customized and personalized voice experiences. And what sort of like um, customer journey does that give? Is it about trying to get more information, or is it trying to prompt a sale right there and then? Or? It depends on the, the, the what the advertiser wants, really. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone wants a sale. It's kind of where all, all marketing ends up, but um, often it, it could just be brand awareness. Mm. Um, so find out more. So we're talking about specs, you know, to hear the noise of the engine roaring or whatever. Right. Or, um, and, and actually what I, I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of an audio person uh, 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 first and foremost. And, and, and you can do some lovely stuff in audio around letting your brain build this world. And so playing the noise of an engine revving, we immediately imagine the car behind it or the car, you know, around it. Um, or you hear, you know, the, the, the noise of waves lapping against a, a, a shore and we're already at the beach. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to have taken a film crew out to Barbados to film that scene. We just play the sound effects and then our th- the theatre of the mind, you know, our, our brains fill in the rest. Um, and so actually combining all of those things together, with, you know, a voice experience that I've invoked through talking to a device, but then using some of those techniques that actually, are, you know, as old as, as you know, analog radio right, right from right. The, the 20s 30s you can actually really build some really beautiful experiences that then become engaging that people lean into mm. and want to interact with yeah because that was i mean that was going to be my next question was what are you suggesting to brands when they're coming to you saying we want to do voice we want to do some kind of ad um we want to try and get people speaking to their alexa you know is it first and foremost about as you say using the theater of the mind to try and imagination or is it about trying to have a really clear um, almost directive or you know, what, what What would you say are the sort of key facets? Yeah, I think if a brand came to us and says we want, we want to do a voice skill we go oh, hold on hold on let's, yeah. just, let's rewind a few steps and right. go actually what's your, what, what are you trying to do and then uh, and then understand what the what the broader kind of strategy of that is and then could voice be a component of that and um, being able to tell a, a story multi-channel actually is more interesting and, and, and using voice as a way to super engage for those people who um, who are really interested or the super fans or the, or the ones who are more likely to become purchase uh, uh, purchasers um, and again, we'd suggest start with something that's going to get you reached, that's going to get you actually the biggest kind of audience out there. And then if there are voice components, use your reach um, uh, campaign to point to that, to actually mm. then use the voice for kind of the extra info or the, the deeper journey into the, the brand message. OK, so a brand's come to you. They've told you what it is that they want to do. They've told you their over our overarching game. Um, you decide, OK, we're going to do some kind of skill. What is how do you kind of reflect the the brand in the sound? You know, because obviously radio ads, as you say, going back to, you know, you've got jingles mm. and, and, and songs, you know, everyone knows the da 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 for a direct line or something yeah. like that. There's, there's very... Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. That sounded great. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there's the brands have things that people associate yeah. with or Intel. Yeah, yeah. we can all do Intel and McDonald's and... Yeah. Uh, and yeah. direct line. And direct line was the top of my tongue. Did you get it? No, he didn't. Okay. <laughs> Rude. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So how how do you kind of create an identity more in a sort of interactive way as opposed to just in a here's a jingle or here's a sound? Yeah, well, I mean, the reason that, that brands have done that and realised that that's really effective is that that sonic identity can be a shortcut in people's brain to remembering everything about the, what how they feel about that brand. So when you hear da-da-da-da-da, our brains immediately go to the golden arches, they go to the taste of the food, they go to everything else that that, um, that brand personifies. And, I mean, um, how simple was that to play? Mm. What an eight-note jingle. And our brain, again, does all the rest of the work about that brand. Intel inside, you know, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, um, we all remember that one. Um, and so... So 
now, uh, finally, you know, everyone is now looking for their kind of. I, I think it, it, in most, I'd, su- I'd suggest, imagine in most um, marketing teams around the world, the the CEO has asked the CMO, "What's our audio strategy in the last year or two? Um, and uh, and often, actually, the answer to that is, "Well, let's let's work out what our what our what's the sound of our brand? How do, how do we?" Uh, how do we talk about ourselves? What's the language we use? What's the voice we use? What's the accent we use? Mm. And then is there a musical component of it as well? Are there notes associated with it? What do they sound like? Is it a sound effect? Is it a whoosh, a swoosh, a, a, a ting, a ping, you know, and, and anything that, that, that actually can start to identify that brand? And then it takes a long time to get that into people's brains and, and to link the you know the the sonic identity with, with the brand. Um, but you're seeing more and more brands doing that now. Um, not everyone, you know, if, if every, you know, Bob's Bumpers in Boston had a sonic identity, sure. I think as consumers, we'd all get a bit bored. So it's, it's, it's not, it, you can't always end up at a jingle, you know, mm. you still have to be smart with your, with your marketing ideas and, and know when to deploy them. Um, and sonic identity is a part of that. But, but people do use consistent voices, for example. So just, I mean, I don't know if there is a Bob's Bumpers in Boston, but, but there might well be. And often it's Bob who is the voice of the ads, you know, mm. kind of old school American radio ad style. Bob will come on and go, you know, hey, my, you need a bumper. <laughs> you know? And he's on every ad and then people remember Bob's voice. And yeah. so that is in itself is a sonic identity. Let's talk a little bit about, about data and how people feel about their use of data or the use of voice when it comes to things like privacy and so on and so forth? Well, I think people do find it pretty invasive. Mm-hmm. If if someone had said 10 years ago, oh, can we just leave a microphone always on in your, your home? You'd have probably been like, no. And now we're willingly doing that. I think as with a lot of marketing things, it's about that trade-off between like utility and invasiveness. So people are happy to give up data if they think they're going to get a great utility for it. With voice, now I think... The utility may be not there in, in some instances, like for music, for podcasts, for all of those things. It works really well. But if you were booking a flight or something where there's a lot of complex detail, maybe that doesn't work best through voice. Uh, on the on the data piece, on like the privacy piece, I think it just means that the providers have a really strong duty of care to their, their customers to be upfront with what they're doing with those things and then customers to actually care about what's going to happen to their data. I think it's, um, there was an interesting discussion around voice and privacy and kind of the way people react, shall we say, to um, to it, with, which was with the, the NHS recently. They did a deal with Amazon around um, offering, I think it's called NHS Choices, the website you can go on and you can search, you know, it, it, essentially just a database of all various different ailments. And um, people were very up in arms and, oh my God, and they're selling the health data and blah, blah, blah. And the reality of it was that, no, it was just a, a way of searching the website and then it literally reads out the, the copy, you know, read out headache or something like that. <laughs> um, and so it kind of, everyone kind of got really, or depressed rather, oh, this is really bad. And then it was like, no, no, guys, it's all good. Don't worry about it. And I think sometimes what we're maybe missing when we have these kind of conversations is actually the spurring of search right because if you have say an alexa in your home and you're encouraging people to search about health data then you're inadvertently amazon having a monopoly on search on health data in the uk so like i think privacy is one thing but it's it's that access piece i think is more where people worry as such and it's not from a sort of conspiracy angle but more from the idea of if the monopoly is google and amazon um it, it seems like you're kind of ingratiating into every part of every person's life right exactly and if you think about search behavior at the moment people are used to 
going on their computers, they're plugging in their search term and they're getting a ton of results. But if you do that on voice, it's that provider that gets to say which which you hear first mm. or which is the only result that you get to hear. So it can restrict that competitive element. But I also guess if you were a marketer and you knew that if someone mm. said, oh, actually tell me about, I don't know, washing up liquid and yours was always going to be the first answer, that that's pretty amazing for you, right? Because it's bringing that, brand top of mind straight away how, how does that work then do you know about how how you know <laughs> if we're going to go down the route of we don't work we don't mind about this let's say um how does a marketer get to the the top of that list you know make friends with someone at amazon exactly yeah. <laughs> is it really that, the, really the, the example that i've heard is um is tide they created a skill that was alexa ask tide how i remove red wine from a shirt you know how i remove a stain and it would say, here's the answer from Tide. And it would be, you should use what Tide to put it in the machine, whatever, whatever the answer was. And that skill actually got, got so well used that after a while, you didn't actually have to say, ask Tide to get mm. that answer. You could just say, Alexa, how do I get a red wine stain out of a shirt? And the Tide skill would be invoked without having had to say Tide. So clearly somewhere in Amazon, whether it's algorithmic or whether there's a human selecting, they've gone, this is the best answer for that particular invocation. Therefore, always use this as the answer. I think at the moment that feels like it's ripe for gaming. It's ripe for um, uh, like the old days of, of parking search words so that you'd buy every search term related to travel so that your competitors couldn't. And now, of course, Google's worked that one out. And so mm. you have to start paying more than the other person to become the first search result. I think that's the world we'll get to is pay for placement. You know, um, mm -hmm. uh, you buy the search term and you buy 30 percent of, of networks. So if someone says um, book travel 30 percent of the time, booking.com gets it. But because Travelocity paid more, they get it 70 percent of the time or whatever. Mm. Obviously, using those as examples, I think that's probably the world we'll get to. And then, uh, for me, the question is: How do you make that explicit to users? How do you know that some because because at least on a on a screen you can put the little ad, you know, whenever sponsored you see, or whatever, right, yeah. right, sponsored content or you know branded content or whatever. And at least there's the option for the user to understand where that's come from. In voice, you just don't have that real estate. Mm. You don't have that space to play with. So how do you make that clear to to users? At least with what you guys are doing, you're putting it directly in ads. So it's very, very clear, I suppose. People are used to, you know, audio ads on radio or Spotify or so on. Yeah, so on. There's, there's an understanding that this is now commercial time. And right. actually, interestingly, some, some podcasters now say when they're going into uh, a, a sponsored read or a host read or yes. whatever in their podcast, they will say this, the next bit is is paid for content mm. just to make that that. Um, trust relationship, I guess, with the users, really clear, really explicit. And I think back to the conversation that, that we were having earlier about um, about trust and about data and privacy. Actually, the shock, the surprise, is always people just actually understanding how the system works. Mm. So there was there were these three um, uh, stories that came out recently. One was um, pe real people at Amazon are listening to what you say to Alexa. It's like, yeah. oh, of course they are. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works. It then goes into a computer, and but how, how does the computer know whether that's good or bad because a human has told it? Mm. So it's, I mean, you know, it's kind of obvious that a human was mm. going to be listening. And Facebook's had the same problem, and I think Google have been caught up on this as well now. So that yeah, because you know, it's all three. supervised learning, isn't it? They've right. got to check that the machine is classifying it correctly. Exactly, and, that, and a human's still the way to do that. And so the 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 big surprise was, oh my goodness. Humans are doing, it, but I mean that's how it's always worked. So, that, so something has gone wrong there in the, in the trust in the the um, uh, the education of users about how these things work. You know, we just bought it and stuck it in, plugged it into our Wi-Fi, and away we go. Do we need some kind of onboarding? This is actually what's happening mm. when you talk to me. Mm. This is what this is actually where your data is going. Uh, you know, who's who's listening? I don't know. Some kind of 
I guess it would get back to being a big terms and conditions thing, though, wouldn't it? And we'd all scroll through it and press accept at the bottom. Exactly. Mm. I guess what's changed is people now, after like all the data hacks and stuff, they maybe are more bought into the idea that there could be something slightly nefarious mm. about certain players mm. within kind of the, the the field. Steve, could you give us a sort of real world example, maybe, of you know utilizing data and insight around audio to deliver a nice advert that makes sense contextually sure yeah so we've built a, a tool that allows creatives and producers to design what we call data-driven scripts so instead of just writing one version of a script and that's your general market message that goes out to everybody we allow components of that script to be linked to data about each individual that's about to hear that ad so for example we know roughly where someone is we know what device they're using we know what the weather's like where they are how many times they've heard the ad is it a monday or a sunday we feel very differently on a monday morning than we do on a friday night so this tool allows creatives to let the copy reflect that and that's that could be the voiceover so you say something different in the ad uh, it could be the music um, maybe you want slightly more upbeat music on a Friday night and slightly more relaxing on a Sunday evening for example uh, or sound effects so you could have different you know beach uh, noises or uh, um, uh, we often use um, if we know on certain services we know if the listener has kids in the house um, mm. and so we'll use the sound effect of children um, playing if, if there are kids in the house or if there's not we maybe will use like office sound effects if it's kind of a young professional um, uh, that, that we know is hearing the ad so when you put all that together you can get uh, you know a 30 second bit of creative that feels very context and relevant context aware and relevant to that listener um, and so you know as humans we really like familiarity we like seeing a face we recognize we like hearing our name and so when we hear an ad that even very subtly just starts to represent the world that actually we're in whether we're in Manchester and it's sunny uh, and it's a Wednesday afternoon if an ad reflects that a little bit our brains are really good at just going oh I, there's something I recognize here and actually that's enough to mean that that ad then performs better than all the others that were in that break or all the others that, that you've heard that day um, and so sure when you add personalization into into audio context it, it performs really well let's uh let's look to the future a little bit further um and and let's accept that it's all all a good thing um <laughs> what about um the sort of discussion we're starting to hear about the sort of demise of screens, you know, is, is voice kind of signalling, you know, the zero UI, we're not going to use computers or phones anymore. Maybe we'll have brain computer interfaces with our, mm. with our voice as well. You know, do you think that voice has the potential to kind of get rid of these other sort of platforms or? I think it's use case based again. Mm. So we touched on it. If you want to do something incredibly complex, would you prefer to spend four minutes on a computer or, you know, 15 minutes talking to Alexa or Siri and maybe they actually get something wrong at the end and then you have to repeat that process? Whereas if it's just frictionless radio playing, like, yeah, mm. there's no need for like that visual interface or a different UI. So I think, no, for the time being, until these technologies get better if there's if we're getting like really far and you mentioned kind of that brain yeah, interface yeah. then <laughs> that would negate it because they'd know what you want and you wouldn't have to have yeah, but your voice interface anyway. in yeah. the same way yeah I'm curious though as to what you guys envision as these sort of future applications of voice you know like say for instance it can tell a difference between people and it is very good accents and, and maybe behaviour change has happened, what would you envision, particularly from a marketing perspective, um, applications of voice that you think actually that would be really impactful or that would really help or you can see genuinely happening? 
some kind of preemptive um, understanding. So because of my routine, because of what day it is, because it's raining outside, because I did this last week, actually start to suggest things for me rather than having to wait for me to invoke a command. Mm. And that could have a have a marketing angle as well, picking the right products because I've already bought them or because you know people who like this also buy this kind of linking or how, you know, some kind of recommendation stuff but actually making it much more preemptive so getting almost answering the question before i've had to ask it today it's very much a um a kind of obey me type uh, mechanic like do the thing i've just asked you to do i i think it will get to a point where would you like to do this you know it's actually asking us what what we'd like and you go oh yeah i totally would mm. <laughs> and so it becomes a, a um almost a just a accept yes go just do it do do the thing that you kind of knew i wanted to do anyway so very convenient space mm. and very okay what about yourself, Sam? Yeah, exactly. That reduction in friction for, for certain things. So if you think with like grocery retail, for example, they have a ton of data and they can predict when you're probably running out of a product that you've bought. So if it said, actually, do you want to buy your new washing powder? We, we think you'll be low. Like Steve said, like that's a really interesting utility ad for people because maybe it's something that they don't even know yet and actually it's going to, to make their lives easier. I think... A really interesting one would be if your smart speaker or voice assistant could tell if you're ill from the change in your voices mm. or something like that. Or just been out too late the night before. Yeah. <laughs> Alka-Seltzer. Alexa. Yeah. Alka-Seltzer. Alexa, Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, that would be good to preempt. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel, though, about advertisers reaching people in that time where they've chosen to probably have... I mean, audio is quite intimate, right? I get quite frustrated when the ads... I mean, I'm listening to a true crime one at the moment, which is extremely impactful mm. and very, very emotional. And, and is it brought to you by Casper Mattresses? Oh, <laughs> it's not, but it's... But even even <clears throat> just an ad... There's been an ads for other related podcasts, which, mm. yes, maybe I am, would be genuinely interested in. But, it, you know, it's coming in the middle of a graphic description of a murder or something, which makes contextually no sense. So how do you see even just that improving when it comes to um yeah or even just the the way we as as marketers um is our sort of right to be kind of ingratiating ourselves into that sort of space yeah, well yes because someone's got to pay for the content and and you know it's great to do a true, true crime podcast it's not great if you have to do it for free and right. and you know so so actually you know the, the, the wheels need to turn so money's got to come from somewhere um and this is all about context this is all about having uh, the right message at the right time. And actually, there are technologies now, ours is one of them, where uh, we know that you're listening to a true crime podcast, so let's talk to you like we know you. So let's mm. talk to you in that moment, in the context of the moment that you're in. So actually, we might get past a data signal that this user is about to be served an ad and the genre of the podcast they're listening to is true crime. So let's pick this version of the mm. script to talk to them in. Mm. And if they're listening to a business user one, actually, we probably want to speak to you differently. But the the brand could be the same in both of those contexts. So um, understanding the context and now then using technology that's out there to to actually change the uh, creative based on that moment. And to give the, the moment of either convenience or delight that doesn't feel intrusive, right? I think that's the point, because if you can do that, that's the power of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so that's actually a creative challenge. That's got nothing mm. to do with technology. That's about how do you write a script? How do you, um, you know, engage the audience? Right. How do you make someone not go, oh, you know, shut up, leave me alone, mm. and actually make them go, oh, that's that was really helpful or was really useful. And that's back to the old art of, you know, pen on paper, writing a good script. And and still, with all of this stuff out there, we still need to get be great at telling stories. Mm. You know, advertising is just telling a story that happens to be 
about a, a product or about a brand. Um, and so even though we're now in podcasts and we're in earbuds and we're in these slightly different contexts than we were before, you still need to write a really good script. So we're thinking about this future where audio is far more um, prevalent as a medium for mm. marketing communications. Um, we have many people that are copywriters who work from home and provide much of the copy for the world's advertising. Um, we're now starting to hear um, about you know the AI coming and replacing copywriters and, and writers and brand creators. When it comes to voice, obviously having to book a studio, get someone to come in, read out, that's quite a lot of heavy lifting. Mm. Are we going into a world where AI is going to create the, the voice for us? Well, today, sure, we use human voice actors uh, and we book a studio and they travel in or they have a booth in the in their home and send in an MP3 file with the, with the script that has been sent. And to power the kind of personalised ads that we make, that script will have lots of little elements and components. So we'll say maybe 50 cities across the US to, to make it personalised by, by location we'll say four different weather conditions and it will just be just that little snippet of the line will be the bit that the that the voice actor reads out and then our system compiles that all together and mixes it down to make a to make a you know beautiful sounding ad obviously that has human limitations so you might do 50 cities in uh, in the US but are you going to do 1000 mm. are you going to do 2000 you know you get to kind of the limits of well you know a human's boredom frankly of sitting in the studio reading out all these and and of course when you start to think about store locations there are 1100 staple stores around the US you're going to read all of those locations out you probably would once but you wouldn't want to do it again anytime soon but you then can't say do a product catalog so if you're John Lewis you have i don't know 200,000 SKUs in your in your product catalog um Display advertising has this technique called retargeting. You go to johnlewis.com, you look at a pair of shoes, and then every ad that is next, every ad that then you see around uh, the internet follows you. There's a pair of shoes again. Then that's you know that's called retargeting. You can't really do that in audio at the moment because we can't go and voice two hundred thousand different product names. But when voice synthesis, which is you know robots combining, you know computers combining components of voice back together again to make it sound like a natural voice, when that gets good enough, actually you could imagine that you start to get these hybrid ads. So you get a, a you know human voice actor doing kind of the in and the out of the ad, and then the bit where it talks about the product is that it's actually start to be synthesized. Today, synthesized voices aren't good enough. Our brains mm. are too good at detecting robot voices within two or three words, and that's because it lacks an inflection or the emotion isn't there, or they say hello instead of hello or you know whatever, and our brains. Just go something's odd about this and as soon as our brains realize that we then break the trust relationship with the brand so if the brand is using a robot voice and i know it's a robot voice how do i feel about that it changes how i feel mm. in 6 12 18 months time because at consumer scale we're teaching these voice algorithms to get better and better every day there will become a point where they are no longer discernible uh, from human uh, voices and so we will feel good that they're good enough to be used in in, uh, in audio advertising um, from your perspective, um, Sam, from the sort of data and insights uh, world, again, we're coming back to this idea of building an audio or voice strategy. Um, where does what's the role of data in that discussion and in that kind of strategizing and thinking about applications? As with any addressable channel, for example, you want to make sure your message is landing. Um, I think there's some like nuts and bolts pieces you want to have working in the background so that if as a marketer, you've got this view across loads of channels. You want there to be like coherence between them. You don't want to have a journey in it to be broken up by, like you said, a really intimate audio experience that completely tells a different message to what you've seen, say, online or on out of home. Uh, and on the data piece, you like it would be terrible if people stopped listening. Mm. 
mm. at that point they were so put off by your your ad that they stopped listening and i think that piece is reconciling that data from you know that third party provider potentially or bringing that data in house and having someone look at it and seeing what that can tell you mm. and and what would you say weird if you're thinking about a uh, marketing mix and you're thinking about where audio slots in it sounds like at the moment it is this kind of well an entertainment play for a start um or a very specific sort of command that's kind of led on by something else but um maybe if we fast forward the clock five years what where do you think audio sits what's the kind of um you know if, if you were to say social for instance you'd be able to sort of define oh right okay facebook's good for this amazon's good for that da, 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 da. um how do you think you can sort of define audio or put it into that marketing mix in an effective way I, I, back to what Sam said, I think it's um, it's got to be treated as if it's part of the mix and, and therefore um, consistent uh, with other components of a marketing plan, um, and but then yet aware of its context. Mm. Um, and uh, as you said before, audio tends to be a more intimate medium. We listen it more often than not in headphones, you know, so we're almost directly plugged into the audio service. So just rolling your... TV, the, the audio from your TV creative in that environment is clearly not going to work. Um, so understanding that that there are nuances to audio as a um, as a channel, um, and so it, that's the tension, I guess, isn't it? You want to be consistent with all your other uh, channels, but then you want to be um, uh, uh, empathetic to audio as and the, the the quirks and nuances of audio as a, as a medium. Um, and that's the art of marketer, right? That's the art of, of exactly. you know of, of a, a great creative and a, and a marketer to pull those pieces together. What would you say is a good place to sort of start when you begin thinking about audio slash voice um, strategy? Um, where is it? You know, going and listening to other people's good examples. Is it about? Is it just going back to what's the problem I'm trying to solve? Like, how would you address um, the beginning of this journey going into audio strategy? So I think that, like there's two kind of things here. If it's like an audio ad around, say, a podcast, it's that context. Whereas if you're trying to create a skill, what problem are you trying to solve? Because it's all well and good having like a great brand voice, but if the skill's useless, people won't won't come back. And maybe that's enough. If it's just a one-time thing that you're trying to, say, have a big above-the-line campaign and you're driving people to a smart assistant or a smart speaker one time, fine, but... Is that the behaviour that you really want? Is that going to deliver the business value back to the organisation? Maybe not. Yeah, making the most of this channel that is, you know, as you said, it is an amazing channel and there is a lot of potential. And I suppose it's tapping into exactly why, as opposed to just saying the same message over and over again. Steve, what do you think about this? Uh, I would just say listen. Mm. Listen to loads of stuff. Listen to commercial radio, then switch off and listen to podcasts and then switch over and listen to an ad-funded music streaming service. Uh, and just see what you like, see what you like, and see what fires you up. And I think there's great examples out there of really well-written, well-crafted, well-thought-through, and there's terrible examples out there of just, like, car crash moments of awful bits of audio next to really good bits of audio and the, and the, and the junction being hor- horrendous. And just, just teach yourself, you know, listen to lots. Listen to podcasting is a joy anyway because, because you can kind of feel like you're learning something or mm. like you're getting to know someone or you're hearing a bit of history. Or So there's this kind of self... Um, uh, self kind of betterment mm. element to podcasting, which it, which is one of the reasons it's so great. But then also, how does commercial work in uh, in an audio environment? So I'd just say, open your ears and listen, and see what you like. Amazing guys, thank you so much for for joining us on the show. 
You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Cognified podcast. You can follow us at Cognified on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, or you can visit us at Cognified.com. Make sure you check out next month's episode, where we're going to continue the experience conversation on the theme of diversity, inclusion and its importance in marketing.